all of my lovely, lovely spiritual beings having a human experience. I created this podcast in hopes to ease our minds, bodies, and spirits while enduring all that life has to throw at us. So guys, I know I missed you last week for our daily talk. I wanted to give myself a week to kind of get caught up and just give myself a little bit of peace of mind. I've been a little stressed and frazzled lately, especially if you don't know about the planets. We were in retrograde with like, I think six different planets all at once. I know Mercury was in retrograde, Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus. So the energy has been really, really chaotic and mixed up. Also, I know I'm in a transformative period that's gonna like last for another 14 months, they said, so (laughs) yay me. Okay, so let's get into it. So today's episode is going to be about chronic sadness and mental disorder diagnosis today. And with that being said, it's kind of a touchy subject, I would say, not only for myself, but for anyone. Um, Just in general, especially the world that we live in today, our world is so, it's just so full of chaos and emotions And everyone is now trying to figure out how to control their emotions or how to manage them, how to process them. So everyone's kind of in a chaotic period of, you know, emotional turmoil is the best way I can put it from my own understanding. Now, I would like to put an episode disclaimer out there in the beginning and also at the end, I will say it. So that way nobody can come back and say Nakaya told me or Nakaya said, because even though I did, I'm telling you now. I am by no means, hear me again, I am by no means a professional. Even if you know me in personal life, and I always talk about this, I literally say this all the time, they should just give me my degree now with all that I know and, you know, my spiritual knowledge and stuff like that, spiritual downloads from universe, they should just hand me my degree now. But sadly, that is not how life works, so I still do have to go get my degree and go to college. With that being said... Everything that I'm sharing on here isn't cleared by a mental health professional, so I would strongly advise you to seek outside support from someone who is better equipped to treat individuals who face issues like the ones we will be discussing in today's daily talk. I'm sending you so much love and smooches. Don't beat me up, guys. So let's get into it. So chronic mental illness refers to the condition Chronic mental illness refers to conditions with persistently debilitating psychiatric symptoms and severely impaired function. Now, guys, I really do not want you to think because you see the word or you hear the word chronic in front of any of your diagnoses or just me talking about it right now that you'll never be able to rise above or not so much control, but manage your emotions and the intensity that comes with them. In today's world, there are so many newfound ways, plus some old and familiar, that we can use and incorporate into our daily life to help us better handle the curveball that is our brain and our emotions. With that being said, I kind of want to talk about my own personal experience with chronic sadness and chronic mental illness, as I do suffer from some mental disorders slash illnesses that do um, heavily affect me in my day-to-day life, in my day-to-day routine, um, and relationships, you know, any of these things, any mental illness can affect you in a million different ways, um, 
And a lot of them, it's hard to pinpoint because some of them are just so similar, are so alike. Like some are symptoms of other mental disorders or illnesses, which just makes it even more chaotic to be diagnosed or to even realize that you might need to go see a mental health professional. So let's get started with sharing my own personal story and experience. So my diagnosis so far that I have are three. I have bipolar disorder type 2. I have generalized anxiety disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. So let me start off with the borderline, not borderline, I always do that, bipolar disorder type 2. So about in, what year was that, 2020, 2019, the end of 2019, December 2019, I had a suicide attempt. In 2020, it was like um, a very like transformative year for me. I've said that in one of the previous episodes, I went to an inpatient facility and I was diagnosed there with something called cyclothymia, a very rare mood disorder that I had actually never, ever, 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 ever heard of. But when it was explained to me, it made sense. Like I felt like it was one of those aha moments for me. Because I could never quite pinpoint or understand or explain how my emotions worked, how my brain worked, and how, you know, I was on a day-to-day basis. Like, one minute I would be so happy, and then literally a split second later, there's tears falling down my eyes, and I'm running to my friend's bathroom trying to hide in the middle of, like, a sleepover or a hangout because I'm sad, and I feel completely alone, or I feel, like, not good enough, or I'm just, like, having all of these self-limiting beliefs begin to pop up in my head, and it became very um, overwhelming not being able to necessarily explain with my own words how I was feeling, and what I felt was going on with me, or what was wrong with me, and not necessarily getting the support or help I needed, not only, um, because I just didn't have it and my family wasn't educated on mental health. Um, Also, my race, I'm black. In the black community, I feel like mental health, we all kind of know this now, is not really talked about. You'll hear your parents, you'll hear grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever the case may be, talk about how back in their day, you know, um, there was so much going on, like, you know, maybe they were poor, lived in poverty, or just didn't have, you know, that emotional support in their household, but they managed through and they made it. But unfortunately, it really does not work like that for everybody, especially if you have a mental disorder. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's something that you can't just ignore. And a lot of people and a lot of people in the black community have grown to learn oh, I'm just feeling this way now. It's because I'm not doing enough or I'm not being productive enough. I'm not moving enough. And that's what's causing me to feel so sad or feel so depressed or feel so angry. And even saying the word depressed in a black household in a black community is like not, it's unheard of. It's not a real thing. You'll say to your parent, oh, I feel depressed because you're always on that phone because you're always in that TV. Because you cause you depress them. Di- Y'all seen the meme, depress them dishes. Like, let's be so for real about it, okay? Let's be so for real. Why? Like, why is mental health... Such a taboo topic when it comes to black households. Now, I can definitely say I have to 
give flowers and props when they are due. We as a community, as a black community, have definitely started to change the narrative. Um, the youth, you know, our generation have definitely started to shed light on these issues and start to really just like take a stance and, you know, advocate for ourselves, advocate for one another. I feel like this is the generation and these are the times where like, you know, a lot of us are like sticking up for one another. Of course, there's still a lot of like people that aren't or, you know, a lot of people that aren't as accepting of mental health. But I definitely do think as a community and as a generation and whole, we have definitely started to shed a lot of light on these issues and started to really, you know, ask the right questions, give the right experience stories, give the right advice, um, and also hold, you know, people accountable, hold ourselves accountable about, you know, our life and like what we experience, you know, no one else has the right to share your experience or to tell your story, which is why we have to hold ourselves accountable and tell our own stories, share our experiences, share our feelings, share our emotions, share our thoughts. We are not in a world, nor are we in a time where togetherness can and should be forgotten. Our country was built on togetherness. It was built on having a village. And that's what life is not all about, but a big portion of life is about togetherness. It's about having that village, having that support, especially when it comes to mental health. It's very important, especially for you to be able to know that no matter what, you're going to be able to turn to somebody. And even if you don't feel completely understood, if you have someone to listen to you, someone that's sitting there that's hearing you out, that's trying to understand you, that's trying to meet you halfway or travel through the darkness to find you, travel through that storm to get to you, to reach you, that is the like, that is a blessing. That is the most important part of everything, of all life, of all living things is to fight to find each other, fight to love each other of course, in its healthy parameters, not toxic shit. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, so I do want to get into my diagnosis a little bit more. I want to, you know, this podcast is all about me sharing my personal experiences, sharing my story, and I can't preach to you guys to advocate for yourselves and to share your story and to be open and honest about your life experiences if I'm not doing the same, if I'm not authentically being myself and showing up as my authentic self to you guys. I feel like that would be a disservice to not only myself, but to you guys as well, to the whole world. Like, who knows who this could reach? Who knows who this could help? Who knows who could find comfort in this or find safety and security or just find togetherness in this podcast. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm here. It's not just for you guys. It's also for me as well. I want us to all come together to create this community where we feel like we have people to understand us, to listen to us, and to care enough about us, genuinely care about us, that, you know, we're just here for each other, honestly. So the first one I want to talk about is my bipolar disorder. So when I was in the treatment facility in the inpatient center, I was diagnosed with something called cyclothymia. It, you know, the prefix of it, psych, cyclo, I guess you could say psych, is, you know, like threes. It's in a cycle. 
so I would have three states of like emotional well-being or not well-being but emotional being it would be my manic state or my hypomania um which is the elevated mood it's your no your highs then I would have something that was like a stable mood but it wasn't stable like what you would think where I would feel like you know quote-unquote normal or I would feel like okay it was more so I felt like yeah like that's literally how I would explain it to my therapist and my psychiatrist um I would just say like I just feel like I'm here I'm just existing I'm not living I'm existing like that's it that's how I felt in that in-between state um and then my lows my depression when I would get really really low and for me my depression would always seem to last longer than my hypomania which kind of you know this is don't listen to me but it really sucked okay being unmedicated and not necessarily knowing what I was dealing with I just knew the feelings I was experiencing and I always felt like those elevated moods I could get stuff done but not necessarily and that also ties into one of my other points about it with bipolar disorder or cyclothymia in general people tend to not always want to get treated right away or not necessarily see it as an issue because you know that elevated mood it feels euphoric it feels like you're on top of the world like it feels like you can do anything you literally almost start doing anything like you just start coming up with all these these creative ideas and endeavors and you start acting on a lot of them but the problem with that is your mind is racing so fast that you're not capable of necessarily completing everything that your mind is coming up with or that everything that you're picking up like you might start having all of these different interests and different activities and start trying to learn all these different things and do all these different things and try all these different things and you're like trying 10 different things at once and literally only getting maybe two completed if not one completed and getting like five started but only getting three like halfway done do you see what I mean like and that is literally the space that I was living in for so long so with all of that going on you could only imagine how much more stressed out I felt trying to juggle all these different projects all these different ideas these creative endeavors but also just trying to juggle what everyday life throws at you like with mental illness what I think people fail to understand and to realize is you're juggling that plus everyday daily life that's why this shit gets so fucking difficult that's why it's so stressful that's why it's so hard because you're trying to manage and to control so many things at once that almost feel like they're out of your control they're at the tip of your fingers but you can't quite touch them you can't quite reach them that's literally how it felt for me at least maybe not for everybody but I'm sure that a lot of people probably feel that same way so I want to go into you know you know let's take a few steps back I wanted to start off with the definition of bipolar disorder type 2 because that's what I have it is a condition where an individual experiences highs, hypomania, and lows, depression. The highs aren't usually as extreme as those seen in bipolar disorder type two, type 1. Sorry, That's why, or not that's why, but that's the difference between the two. With bipolar um, type 1 versus bipolar type 2, bipolar type 1 is, I wouldn't necessarily more say more of an extreme, but the the periods of time that the symptoms last 
are they are much longer versus that of type 2. So type 2, the hypomanic states or the hypomania is usually a shorter time period. Like it could be anywhere from like four days to maybe a week, maybe two. Um, and then the depression usually lasts longer than the hypomania. So the depression can be like months long. And for me, that's really what it was. Like I was in these bouts of depression for like a very long time for like months and months and months on end and weeks and weeks but I would be in this hypomanic state for like a week two weeks a week at most I feel like is what I want maybe pushed like a week and a half but I feel like a week at most is really what I was on for that like it was just usually that's how long it lasted for me um now the mania for me um it was definitely like it's it's as they describe it like it was a, a euphoric feeling it feels like i can conquer and do anything and everything i put my mind to um my sleep is definitely affected by it um i'm already because i have like that's the like the hardest part about having um mental illnesses or mental disorders like so many of them coincide with one another that it can be hard to catch them or hard to to treat them or to even understand them or understand yourself. Like for me, it can be very hard because there's so many different symptoms that are running from this disorder or this diagnosis or this diagnosis, or I'm not sure where this symptom comes from. It doesn't really fall under these two. It kind of falls under this one, but I'm not sure it could fit under somewhere else, like another umbrella term. term. So just with that being said, like just think of that, all that stress, like constantly trying to understand and figure out what is going on with your brain. Your brain, yes, it does communicate with your body but not in the way that we humans can communicate with not one another like your brain is not going to sit here and tell you I want you to know there's a chemical imbalance you have 50% of this but you only have 12% of this and you need to have 100% of both of these and that's why you feel the way you do unfortunately the world does not work like that our brains do not work like that life is supposed to be no I'm just kidding I was going to say life is supposed to be difficult but it's really not so with that being said, like it could just be a huge challenge to try to manage all of that. It definitely keeps you on your freaking toes. It keeps you on your toes. At least it keeps me on my toes. So with the bipolar disorder, it I can definitely say I can understand how people would maybe not necessarily want to treat this, like I said, because the hypomania or the manic episodes feel great because you feel like you can do so much. You can conquer so much. You can start so much when really that isn't necessarily the case. It can be difficult. Like it can really be difficult. Yes, my sleep is definitely affected by it. Um, the sleep also is affected by the anxiety, like I said, the PTSD, like I said, like, it's just so many things that coincide. It's actually really crazy. But during my hypo um, mania or hypomanic states, sleep is definitely affected. Um, at times, I usually feel like I may not need a lot of sleep. Like I could, there were times I remember like in high school, I would stay up all night long, like just all night long I wouldn't even close my eyes and take like a cat nap I was up all night long till like seven eight in the morning still up full-blown energy just doing stuff like I would be like rearranging my room at like 12 or 1 in the morning like moving this big ass bed around moving that big ass dresser 
like toting stuff across the floor, ready to vacuum, probably ready to tear down the walls and rebuild a house inside of my room. I was probably like, I would be feeling like I was ready to paint the the ceiling, the floor, the carpet, everything. Like I just would feel like I didn't need to close my eyes. I didn't need sleep. Sleep was just not something it would slow me down. Like sleeping, I feel like during a hypomanic state feels like it's an obstacle. It feels like it's in the way. Like why would I sleep when I feel like this? I don't even need it. I can just keep going. That's how it feels like you took like 10 caffeine pills and you don't need to sleep. And it's not like necessarily a crash. The crash is the low, like it's the depression period. So you're not even going to feel that if you're just starting your manic state or your hypomania, you're not going to feel that low or that crash for like a few more days. Like it's not like you had a sugar rush in the morning and now in the end of the evening you're crashing. No, you won't crash for like another four days. So yeah, it really, it's a doozy guys. It's a doozy. But. I can definitely say that I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think like when I was younger, I feel like I had a friend um, who would tease me about or not I shouldn't say tease because that sounds bad but like I mean it kind of was teasing I had a friend that would tease me and say like you're bipolar you're bipolar like you're so bipolar and you know growing up like being younger people used to throw mental health terms you're depressed like you're like anxiety this or like bipolar this like people threw around mental disorders like it was a joke like it was a yo mama joke like it's crazy how often somebody would label somebody with some a term like that with that much weight behind it and not think anything of it and for me the weight was felt like I didn't I knew the weight that came with being labeled that I didn't want to be labeled that I also had a hard time with being younger I used to think and feel like I was crazy because nobody advocated for mental health in my life nobody advocated for it in our community nobody advocated it advocated for it in school or online like we weren't seeing things about mental health until much later on in life so with that being said for me I just felt like you're calling me bipolar you're calling me crazy what do you mean by that why why are you why are you calling me that like that's I it used to really trigger me I did not like being called bipolar and the sad part about it is I'm not really sure why this is like this, so you might have to do a little bit more further research, but they don't like to diagnose children with bipolar disorder. They feel as though, well, one of one of the reasons are your brain doesn't stop fully developing until your age of like 21. And for guys, <laughs> I would say 25, but that's not scientifically proven, but I just think y'all are kind of, you know, a little slow. So I'm going to say 25 for y'all, 21 for the women, because, you know be smart but yeah so with that being said because you're young and your brain is still developing and so many things can still happen to you like brain injuries can cause different mental illnesses and trauma so with that being said they don't usually like diagnosing a kid or labeling a kid with bipolar disorder until they're at least the age of 18 depending on how severe symptoms can be 
And if it's not a severe case of bipolar disorder, they might just wait and hold off until you're at least 21. That is like that for bipolar disorder as well as personality disorders as well. It's, you know, like I said, mental health is a doozy, guys. It's really a doozy. So I feel like I probably did show signs as a kid, but it is probably hard to kind of tell in a child whether or not, you know, you're displaying these types of symptoms for something like a, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Whether you're displaying these types of symptoms or not for um, these types of disorders or these these illnesses because kids lack emotional regulation you know they're young like you're you're still learning how to understand what emotions even are let alone how to process them let alone how to feel them let alone how to identify and name them so with all of that being said you can only imagine how it would be sitting a child down and telling them that they have bipolar disorder like that would be a whole chaotic mess explaining to them like you have this disorder this is why these things happen now I can say for some children having that might help for me that might have helped because I've always been emotionally intelligent and when I was younger I always had this feeling that something was quote-unquote wrong with me but they do say that is also a symptom of different mental illnesses and mental disorders like I'm pretty sure they say that for ADHD um that a lot of people will describe it as just having this feeling that something is off with themselves or something is just not right like they don't have any other way to explain it besides something's wrong with me something doesn't feel right something feels off with my body that's it and a lot of the times that's what I was saying when I was younger when I was a a young adolescent when I was transitioning into being a teenager like I would always describe and say something doesn't feel right inside like something inside of me inside of my brain like my heart whatever I felt was driving my emotions it just did not feel right it felt like I needed to work through it and work on it so now moving on from the hypomanic states and talk talk about the depression. The depression for my bipolar disorder is the worst symptom I could possibly have been given. Like this shit sucks. Those depressive lows are not no fucking joke. Let me tell you. I don't even low is not even a word to explain what you would call that. It's I I really don't know how to explain it. Like it really does feel so like I just feel so down in the dumps like I feel very just like I don't want to be here like it it messes with my self-esteem and my self-confidence it messes with like my the way I look at myself like the view of myself it messes with my outlook on the world like it kind of makes me a lot more pessimistic and you know I can't I've gotten a lot better with it now that I'm older but before it was very hard to pinpoint when these cycles were coming through because life is always happening life is always life in guys like every day day in and day out you're getting you're being introduced to something different something you like something you don't like something is actually like triggering you and when I say trigger I mean it's emotionally digging into your spirit into your heart into your body into your soul and 
upsetting you, throwing you off course. It's causing a disruption. It's causing tension. It's it's just causing a whole whirlwind of negative emotions with inside of you to start stirring up and to fester. And it really does feel terrible. When I was in my depressive lows, I was suicidal. I was causing myself, you know, harm. Like I was cutting. Um, I was doing something I called scratching because it got to a point where I knew if someone saw the cutting, because it would hurt, you know, you're hurting yourself. I knew if somebody saw that, it would get to a point where someone was going to out me. And in my head, I felt like that's just not what I wanted. Like, I felt like for some reason, whatever my brain was making me believe, I felt like I deserved all the pain I was getting. Not only that, but I also was feeling like all the pain that I did already have with inside, like I was unmedicated. I wasn't necessarily consistently in therapy or in any programs that helped me. I was in public school, which side note, BTW, I just found out that there is a school in my area for children who suffer from depression and anxiety, like severe depression and anxiety that is geared towards helping them acclimate to being in society with people who don't have those issues or who don't have it as severe as they do. And let me tell you, especially if you knew me back then or knew me personally or know me personally now, that probably would have benefited me a whole ton like if I would have went there it would have probably really helped me navigate my life and navigate school and academics so much better like I used to let everything else take over academics because I just I don't know I just never felt like I was going to use that shit again but what I am going to use is my brain what I'm going to use are my words what I'm going to use are my emotions, like that, my energy, like that's the stuff that we needed to be learning about in school. Because at the end of the day, like even now talking about mental health, I feel like the psychology, I feel like psychology and spirituality go hand in hand. Like a lot of people probably would not like to admit that. And that's fine. Like you don't have to, but I'm going to say it. Um, They go hand in hand. I feel like people will, you can, it's almost like you can, you can feel the energy. Like it's a completely different type of aura that someone walks in. Like it's just, it's really different. Like you have to really do some research or like look into it, even on TikTok. Like you can go on TikTok and find so much stuff about psychology and spirituality mixing into each other like they dead ass intertwine I'm not I would never lie to you guys I would never try to steer you in the wrong direction if I haven't done my research I'm not gonna tell you about it because what the fuck would that make me so yeah I definitely do think the two intertwine and I definitely do think that you guys should take a look into it but yes back to the depressive lows they're very low down in the dumps low like it's like having a meltdown for like two months straight just sitting and what people don't understand is it's not a choice to be there nobody wants to be depressed and nobody wants to fucking stay there I mean maybe there are some people out there but let me tell you bitch I'm not one of them I've never ever gotten depressed or gotten into one of those lows and said I want to be here I love it here like this is so comfortable it just becomes to a point where like your brain feels like your biggest enemy 
you will not understand this shit until you go through it or you are close enough with someone who goes through it and even then you still won't get it it's not easy doing this it's not easy living without these issues let alone having these issues and still having to navigate a normal day-to-day life and everybody else's bullshit that they bring into yours this is like it's not ideal nobody wants to do this nobody wants to be depressed nobody wants to be hypomanic nobody wants to be manic period nobody wants to experience these things but yet we live in a world where this is here this is our reality so now we have to face it we have to get the fuck up and we have to start advocating not only for ourselves but for others other people that suffer from these same things other people that deal with this on a day-to-day basis because they don't always have the right people advocating for them they don't always know how to advocate for themselves so we as a community, we as people, as human beings with a pumping heart in our body need to be more empathetic towards others. We need to understand that sometimes, even though we're not directly involved, we're still involved. It still takes every ounce of each of our beings to create and spark change. Change is not going to come if we all just sit around with our hands in our fucking pants or our hands on our dick like Biggie looking at Stunner Girly waiting for the next person to do something, waiting for the next person to pick up a stone and skip it across the, the, the pond to make ripples. We all have to do it. If we all do it, we're, make, we're making waves. Fuck a ripple, bitch. We making waves. The, go out and surf. That's, that's how, like, that's what I mean. Like, it really takes togetherness to make change, to make things happen. So moving on from my bipolar disorder diagnosis to my generalized anxiety disorder. I feel like the bipolar disorder type two is the spicy one. The generalized anxiety disorder is more of like the Debbie Ryan meme, like, you know, finger behind your ear, shy girl look. So (laughs) let's talk about it. So generalized anxiety disorder is a condition of excessive worry about everyday issues and situations. Doesn't that just sound fun? Like, yeah. So generalized anxiety disorder for me is, it's more so of like, of course, okay, let me start off here. Of course, we all get depressed we all get worried we all get anxious but the thing that differentiates you know a average amount of anxiety or you know sadness versus a um chronic amount is the the excessive worrying like constantly like it's not just when you know things pop up that make you worry like a test or you know seeing somebody like a friend you haven't seen in like two years or a job interview or getting in a bad car accident or anything of the sort like that it's the thinking about things like for me the best way I can explain this to you without having my own textbook um certified knowledge is that a lot of the times I will get stuck in thinking about things that happened so long ago. I will get stuck in thinking about things that I 
something that somebody may have said to me, something I may have said or something I could have did or someone else did, um, I will think about, okay, for example, like going to sleep at night, I already have like insomnia, not necessarily diagnosed with it. That's kind of me diagnosing myself. But as I said, some things are symptoms of other disorders, like my um, generalized anxiety disorder, my post-traumatic stress disorder, and the bipolar dis- disorder type 2, I could say, I, well, not so much the bipolar disorder. I mean, slightly because of depression. Depression can cause insomnia. So do you see what I mean? Like the generalized anxiety disorder, constant worry, that could keep a person up at night. That does keep this person up at night, okay? When I am laying down trying to go to sleep, my brain will automatically start cycling through a million and one different thoughts, things that happen in my day, um, things that happened, you know, before, if there was any small little, if there was like any small little inconvenience or anything like emotional inconvenience, I will ruminate about that. That will keep popping in my head. I literally get anxiety about falling asleep. Like that, that is what it's like for me. I get anxiety about falling asleep. Like, I will be laying in bed, and I'll look at the time, and I'll be like, oh, it's such and such a clock. Like, I really need to go to sleep. Like, and then I'll actually, like, my body, my nervous system will start to go into a panic. It starts to freak out. Like, the anxiety that you would get if um, you got a call from a hospital number at 3 a.m., and you're thinking about a family member. That type of anxiety is the anxiety that I feel when I'm trying to lay down and go to sleep. And I'm looking at the time realizing like, oh my gosh, it's late. Or like, even if it's not late, like I'll just be laying there thinking about like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me so long to get to sleep. Not that I'm doing any of this to myself. Like I'm literally laying in bed, trying to close my eyes and just relax or like listen to my ASMR or whatever. Because ASMR, let me put y'all on y'all. I be listening to that ASMR, like I try listen to music, like whatever. Sometimes I'll even sleep with just a fan. Like sometimes I just need, I've, I've been too overstimulated during the day or during the week and I just need silence when I go to sleep. That's very rare, but it happens every now and again. But yeah, like I said, that anxiety, that that is what differentiates the two. It's the excessiveness of it, like how bad it is, how frequent it is and what is triggering it. Like the smallest thing will give me anxiety. I remember when we first diagnosed our first, when I was first diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, I was explained, this was all of these diagnoses came in like 2019, early 2020. So I would tell them how I would um, just be very anxious and I would I would have these ruminating thoughts, thoughts that would just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And I would just keep going over them. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how anxiety ridden I got after them popping up in my head, it was like I couldn't stop them. It was like I was not in control of my own brain. And that is such a shitty fucking feeling and I know people out there understand it but it's a really terrible feeling to feel like you're not in control of your brain like you can't stop these thoughts from coming it's so sucky nobody wants to feel like that and I started realizing or I was explaining to them I was having a hard time letting things pass 
And this just put my nervous system into overdrive for absolutely no good reason other than to quote unquote protect myself from dangers that most likely won't even happen. And if they do, they won't kill me. But yet here I am, my brain is making me think about these things that feel like they're going to kill me and they haven't even happened. Like I would feel like I was drowning in anxiety. It felt like I was in the middle of the ocean, not even on an island, just literally in the water, treading. And I didn't know where to swim to. Like there was no shore to swim to. I was just out in the middle. And y'all, I'm scared of the ocean. Like I love the ocean. I'm a water sign, Scorpio. We know, you know, me and the, the water. I always been a water baby. Love the water park. Love to go to the beach. Real bad me in the water. Me, real bad me in the ocean. Love everything in it. But baby, I be scared as hell. Anything in that motherfucking ocean can eat my ass up. Do you see how? What? Yeah, baby. Uh-uh. They got it. They got, I'm not about to hop in no submarine and go exploring shit. I, I trust that the mermaids is down there. The sirens is real. I'm thinking they kill her. So, you know, y'all seen, uh, what's it called? Black Panther 2? Yeah, baby, I don't got time to play. Way of the water? No, 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 no. I'm good. I t- sh- don't even got to worry about it. That's why I'm just telling you now, disclaimer, when you go to the beach, always ask permission before entering her body. You know, I just feel like it's respectful. And when you don't ask for permission, when you don't spiritually, you know, in your head, you don't just meditate on it or even say it out loud, whatever you want to do, just slowly like place your fingers at the literally like the shore motherfucking line, bitch, like right where the water meets the sand. Place your fingers there. Let her touch you. Let her inspect you. Let her get to understand you. Feel for you. Like water, the power of water, y'all, we gonna have to talk about it. I'm, I have to have, a spiritual episode is coming very soon. I feel like we've been talking about life shit. I also need y'all to see a different side of me. Like this is all the wisdom I've been given. You know, it's been a little spiritual, but I want a episode or a daily talk soon tailored specifically towards spirituality and all of the things spiritual that I have learned. And it is coming soon, y'all. Like, it's on my list. I have a list of topics on topics on topics. So, it's coming. The well will never run dry. But yes, back to the main topic at hand here. With the generalized anxiety, it's just, like, a terrible feeling. And I, even now, like, I did have a little anxiety about this episode because, like I said, I'm not a mental health professional. What I'm saying is all, or not all, but mostly from my personal experience. And even explaining my own experience is hard because I've been living with this for so long. It's just like, it's just here. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, you, why do y'all think I'm in fucking therapy? Because the therapist has to prompt my ass on how to explain my own pain and trauma. Like, how the hell? Y'all, the gag is, <laughs> your bitch is just working through her trauma, honestly. Not healed, but always healing. But anyways, so yeah, back to the main topic at hand. The generalized anxiety, it's, it's really terrible. Like, like the definition, it's just excessive worry about everyday issues and situation hence the generalized anxiety because it's not a specific thing it's not a specific cause it's literally everything and anything under the sun that I come into contact with like now I'm not saying like there's a fan sitting in front of me right now in my room 
and I'm looking at it and I'm not saying like looking at that I'm getting generalized anxiety like oh my gosh I'm scared the fan is just gonna blow up in my face not necessarily like that I'm sure there are some people that their anxiety works like that but mine is more so like I'm trying to think like the sleep like I said that or if I have like okay my friends friends is definitely like a big thing for my anxiety if I even feel like the slightest bit of like your tone is just off even if it's not in a weird way or a rude way I will dead ass like that's what I mean like I'll just get stuck on that like I will just constantly keep thinking about everything like could it have been something I said could it have been the way that I said it um was it possibly like it just anything like even if I'm almost sure that I may not have I didn't do anything or nothing happened like it's just I will think and think and think and think and think and then that's when I'll start connecting dots that shouldn't even be connected like you know the little connect the dots papers we used to do well yeah my ass with my generalized anxiety I'll be taking two different assignments of connect the dots and be trying to connect the dots from one page to the other i'm trying to connect a dot one over here to dot 111 over here they don't even on the other paper they don't even make no sense baby you didn't even how you what girl do you see what i mean like that don't even it doesn't even sound right but to a brain that operates the way that mine does or people that have these issues or these similar challenges like me it's not like we really have a choice. I don't wake up and choose to feel these deep, heavy emotions every day. I don't wake up and choose to just automatically get anxiety as soon as I open my eyes because that's also what the generalized anxiety is like. I used to wake up and I would get anxiety in the, like I would feel it. It always comes in the pit of my fucking stomach. It'll just feel like I don't even know. Like, even talking about my anxiety, guys, gives me anxiety. I'm having slight anxiety right now in my stomach thinking about it. it. It's really sad, but it has been like this for a while where my anxiety gives me anxiety. Like I said, trying to go to sleep will give me anxiety. It's really sad to say, but this is really what it can be like for me. This is what it can be like for anybody who deals with this. And that's why I say support, support, support. There's nothing wrong with reaching out or asking anybody to help you because we all need somebody, you know? We all need somebody. All right, now moving on from generalized anxiety disorder, let's move on to the very last one. Um, I was low key going to call this my Regina George, um, my Regina George disorder out of the bunch. Or, like, my Regina George out of the bunch of all my disorders. But, like, I don't know if that fits. I guess we'll see where we go with that one. Okay, so, post-traumatic stress disorder. Also, you've probably heard of this as PTSD. And, no, common misconception, which I feel like we have proven by now. Soldiers who fight in the war are not the only people who come out of trauma with PTSD. Nobody should come out of anything with PTSD. That shouldn't even be a fucking thing, but it is, sadly. So here we are dealing with it. P 
PTSD is better known as a disorder that develops in some people who have experienced a shocking, scary, or dangerous event in their lifetime. Dun, dun, dun. Hence the post, you know, post means after, happening after, occurring after, traumatic, post-traumatic, after, trauma, stress disorder. After trauma, you be stressing. You get what I'm saying? You're picking up what I'm putting down. Let's get into it. So for me, this is manifested in many, many ways. Like I said previously, so many of these things coincide with one another. It can be really easy to skip over or even misdiagnose. I feel like PTSD may not be one that is as easy to misdiagnose because it's easy to, you know, not necessarily, I wouldn't say easy, but it's not as difficult, so easy, I guess you could say, to go back and, you know, talk about one's life and history and kind of work through a timeline of what might have triggered this disorder and what might have triggered all the stress. I know a lot of people say that with PTSD, they have like night uh, terrors and stuff like that, like nightmares and stuff, uh, flashbacks that feel very realistic. I mean, a lot of, you know, soldiers definitely say that they, um, experience like the night terrors and stuff like that. Um, going back into those flashbacks, like this can happen after someone has been sexually assaulted. This can be happen after someone has been in maybe like a bad car accident or accident in general. It's just anything that your body and your mind deem as so traumatic that it causes you stress after the incident even years later a person can still be affected by an event that happened in their childhood this is why i will always and forever advocate not only advocate but i will always 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 push the fact that people should be in therapy I'm not saying see a psychiatrist and start taking all these medications. That's only if you need it. And sometimes it's only temporary. Like sometimes people don't even have generalized anxiety disorder. They just have a rough patch going on in their life. Their anxiety is off the charts right now. Depression has been a little high in their life. They take some meds, help them through that time period. And a month later, they start tapering off their meds, which means you start coming down off of a high dose. You start you know, lowering your dose until you're back to zero and you no longer need it. And then you may continue working through therapy to help you cope for the rest of your life or to just help you cope in general. And at some point, you know, maybe you'll have, you'll be able to stop taking therapy. You'll have all these tools in your tool bucket and your therapy tool bucket, and you won't have to go to therapy because you'll be able to apply them. And then maybe you'll stop going for like six years and then something traumatic happens and you go right back to therapy to work through it. It is, how do you say, como se dice, this cycle of life. It's how shit goes, okay? But we work through it. We digress and we progress, okay? Okay, so. Now for me, the PTSD, I can't say I can necessarily, um, well, I guess I can kind of speak on this. So when I was younger, I was sexually assaulted. And that is a whole nother story for another time. I'm living and breathing now. I'm doing great. But yes, I was sexually assaulted. And even now, I definitely do find that I don't, I have 
problems and issues with like being touched. I do not like to just be touched by anybody and by everybody. Um, even family members, like everybody does not have permission to touch me. Um, and you know how family can be like people you love, like picking at you, like touching on you. Some people just are like fucking weird. Stop fucking touching me. Some people are just like that. Me. I, if you know me in personal life, am a very affectionate person. So for people to hear me say like, I don't really like being touched. It like is, it's mind boggling. It even mind boggles me sometimes how affectionate I am, how much I love hugging people I care about. And I love how much I just love, you know, play fighting or like joking around or like just bumping each other just because we're around each other and we love one another. But there's also that line where like, if I'm not in that space, don't touch me because you can trigger me. It's not like you're going to put me in a in a in psychosis or like a catatonic state or like send me spiraling into like an episode or anything like that but it will cause feelings uncomfortable and unwanted feelings and thoughts to come about that I really would much rather not you know feel or like not have to worry about or anything and it can be it can be trying it can be very very trying so with that being said, I have definitely had to work on um, advocating for myself. Also, you know, kids, I have younger siblings. One of my sisters is very, very affectionate. Like I'm talking about like she will put her hand on your back and like rub your back, but like under your shirt, like skin to skin contact. Girl loves that skin to skin. I don't know what was wrong with her at birth, but something done changed her she will like just rub your stomach she'll like put her hand up your sleeves and like rub your whole entire arm like rub your chest like she just she constantly wants hugs and stuff and I don't mind hugging I don't mind being lovey-dovey and affectionate it's in my nature it's part of who I am you know I lacked it as a child so now I feel like I have all this pent-up um love and affection that I want to give out to others but it's just for me there's like a time and a place there's also specific ways and places on my body that I don't like to be touched like my my nana love my love that's my girl everybody knows that I talk about her on this podcast like almost every episode when we used to be riding she used to be taking places places stuff we used to be driving together and she wanted my attention of course she's driving she can't really look at me so she's trying to get my attention so she would like put her hand on like my knee like right above my kneecap and when she would do it she wouldn't be like smacking me of course she's going to be like gentle and soft but it was like the slow approach like her slow touch that just really it would just give my whole body a bad feeling a chill something I didn't like and it's my nana like I love my nana I loved hugging my nana she loved hugging me like that was my girl, two peas in a pod. Like, hugging my nana was never a problem. But it's just like I said, like, those, it's a certain way and those certain places that I don't like to be touched in or, like, by. Like, I just don't like that. Um, I definitely, like, when my sister comes and she's, like, rubbing and stuff, like, sometimes I have to tell her, like, Layla, right, like, right now is not really a good time for sissy. At first, it was hard. Like, I used to, I wouldn't say snap, but I used to, 
kind of snap. I used to be like, stop touching me. Like, can you stop? Like, you're not listening. I used to get very upset very easily. And I had to learn that, you know, she's young. She doesn't understand. Like, this is her. Like, I was her when I was younger. Very affectionate. Wanted to, you know, just love on everybody and love on whoever I could. So now, like, being older and now, you know, coming to terms with all the things that I've been through, all the trauma I've experienced and trying to work through it and also having younger siblings and a younger sister who is so affectionate like I was, it's definitely forced me to lay everything out on the table and hold myself accountable because even though I'm only responding uh, through pain and from pain, that is the root, it's pain and trauma, I also have to be careful that I'm not inflicting the same thing on others just because it was done to me. And I think a lot of the times that is what people forget. Like we get so caught up in our trauma responses and we get so caught up in doing everything on our own. We don't fix those issues. We don't start working through the trauma so that way our responses start diminishing. So those behaviors, we start losing them. They start to dissipate. They start to disappear. And then we're able to function as empathetic humans. We're able to show that love. We're able to healthily set our boundaries without stomping on someone else's heart and feelings, without lashing out at other people just because of our own pain that we don't know how to express. Hence why therapy, therapy, therapy. Let me stop playing with y'all. Let me stop playing with y'all. I'm about to do it. I'm about to do an ASMR bonus, y'all. I'm about to be like, it's your host, Nakaya. You need to leave a booty that make you spooty on the block. Booty bigger than the sun. Ah. It's like, let me stop playing with y'all for y'all. Give me a bad rating. Y'all better not do that. I'll beat y'all up. Guys, I always try to refrain from making these episodes so super, super long. But, like, we just always have so fucking much to talk about. Like, I just always have so much in my brain to, like, discuss with you guys. And all the tangents, too. Like, let's not act like they don't happen. Okay, so now, moving on from my diagnosis, because, like, enough about my trauma. Let's talk about diagnostic tests diagnostic test what the heck Nakaya so one that I did come across that I wasn't too um, familiar with during my research was genetic testing now this one apparently you can do genetic testing to see there are some things I think you're able to look for I'm not too sure about all the mental illnesses I know you can't see all of them doing a genetic testing because all mental illnesses are not genetic but for the ones that are, you will be able to do a testing for that. There also, with a genetic testing, you can do something, I forget what it was exactly called, but it was something with medication. You're able to see um, the different like chemicals in your brain, the imbalance and stuff like that. So you're able to see what medicines might work for you versus which ones probably will had have adverse effects or just will not work for you at all whatsoever i did hear one girl's story on tiktok she was talking about it um and in a podcast i was watching she talked about it and how like ssri selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors um is one that 
would not work for her based on like the chemical imbalance in her brain and stuff like it just would not be a good idea to give that to her it wouldn't really help it would probably have adverse um effects so definitely not that one and for anyone who doesn't know who hasn't been on this journey or just hasn't you know educated themselves on it which i feel like everyone should ssri selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are a class of medications most commonly prescribed to treat depression they are antidepressants now let me just share this quick little tad bit when i was going through my little trial and error period for medications and stuff I did start off with an SSRI because I was misdiagnosed. They thought that they just needed to treat more so of my depression and anxiety, so they gave me that. But because I have a mood disorder, it's not just regular schmegular regular depression and anxiety. It had adverse effects and it actually sent me into overdrive and I became even more suicidal than I was. And when I say more suicidal, like, y'all, I was ready to jump out in front of a moving truck. Like, it was really that bad. Um, My anxiety, it was like I had tremors. Like, I remember being at work and, like, having to go take multiple breaks because my body would just not stop shaking. Like, my hand just kept shaking. Like, I could, you could see, like, if I would hold my hands out in front of me, you could literally see them shaking. I was, I could barely scroll or type on my phone because my fingers just kept shaking. It was a really, really bad time, guys. It was really bad my appetite i was not eating shit like i just i already don't eat because of the slight you know eating disorder i didn't even put that on here ain't that crazy i didn't even put the eating disorder on here that is crazy but i didn't put that on here because sorry that was loud i didn't put the eating this on here eating disorder on here because it wasn't something that i would say necessarily stuck it was more of a mild thing and i was said to be borderline so i was like you know That's always something I tend to skip over, even though I really shouldn't. I should stop doing that because it still is something that I deal with till this day. It still affects me. And this is why I have always said since I was in middle school, stop commenting on people's fucking bodies. Stop commenting on their eating habits because you really do not know what someone is already saying to themselves. We are our harshest critics. We do not need other people walking around this planet Earth trying to be our critics too. We just don't need it. If I don't ask, and you give it, it's unsolicited, so I have every right to punch you in your face or cuss you out. Just a fair warning, you heard it here first, <laughs> keep it in mind. And I'm this, I'm also saying this for all my viewers and my listeners, if you give any of my listeners or viewers advice and they didn't ask for it, it's labeled unsolicited and I give my babies every right to cuss you out. Don't hit them because I don't want them to call the police, you know some people be scary. They don't want to fight their own battles. Don't hit them. Just cuss them out. Just, just, just cuss them out. Don't listen to me, okay? Don't listen to me. Okay, so aside from the genetic testing, the other one that I heard of was, well, not heard of, but I already knew about this one, obviously, duh, because I had to do it. Mental health screening test, of course, done by a professional. Don't just be online taking them because, girl, I used to be the same way. I used to be online taking them. And yes, I feel like it can kind of help somewhat being online taking them, but... If you have bad anxiety, I do not recommend because then it kind of sends you into like a rabbit hole and you start trying to like, you know, research everything and then you start getting upset and then you just like just fall into this rabbit hole. It's just really not worth it. So I'm just going to say don't do that. Okay. 
definitely, definitely, definitely go get an evaluation done by a psychologist, by a therapist. Please invest in your mental health. It's like one of the most important things. And I will always say that physical, mental, spiritual, all of that. I'm always gunning for it. And the last thing I want to talk about, because of course I have to mention it, guys, like I can't not say anything. And the very last thing, of course, that I have to mention is suicide. Of course, I already touched on my personal story on suicide on this podcast in one of our most recent daily talks. I've also talked about it today in this one, and I will probably continue to talk about it because it really did shape a big part of who I am. And you know, with all these diagnoses, your bitch is never going to stop dealing with wanting to end life. You know, it comes and it goes and I'm in therapy and I take my medication. So yeah, I'm taking care of myself, guys. Hope you're doing the same. Well, I'm actually, let me not lie. Gotta live my authentic, authentic self always. I am doing the best to take care of myself. You know, it's a trial and error. You know, we, we have bumps and bruises in the road. Things happen. But I'm working to better manage everything and, you know, stay on top of it. You know, I'm still a young adult. I'm still learning. It's how it is. But yes, suicide. Please, 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 for the love of everything on this earth, stop spreading the false narrative that suicide is selfish. Being angry at someone for taking their own life after struggling for so long is actually what's selfish. Coming from someone who has been down this road and will most likely always come back to those feelings at different points in my life, seeing this picture painted that we're selfish for not wanting to be here anymore and for letting go is really harmful. It's more harmful than you know and than you understand. I saw a video on TikTok, right? Where an expert was saying when a person reaches a point in their life when they want to commit suicide, it's a point where they've lost their empathy. They've lost the understanding of how taking their own life could affect others. And I don't think focusing on that is necessarily helpful. We want to promote living for ourselves, not anyone outside of our own being. And I mean us as like everybody on this planet Earth. We should all be promoting the fact that we want to live for ourselves, not anybody else but ourselves. Living for others is usually what deepens the depression. Living for others, trying to appease and please everybody else, is what sends us into a downward spiral of being so unhappy. You're not living your authentic self. You're not living by your own authentic rules. You're living by by somebody else's rule book, by somebody else's game. That's not fair. It's not fair of you to ask yourself to put what you want aside to please somebody else, to make somebody else smile, to make somebody else happy. If you're not smiling while they're also smiling, then what are you really doing it for? So please, 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 like I said, stop making people feel like suicide is selfish. It's not. Yes, I understand. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But you also have to understand that those feelings, that depression, it feels permanent. When you're in that dark space, it feels like it's going to last forever. You feel like you've been there forever. It feels like when you look back, all you see is darkness. When you look forward, all you see is darkness. When you look around you, you see nothing but darkness. You can't even see your own hand in front of your face because it's so freaking dark. And a lot of the times with depression, so many people in this world don't even understand it. They won't even get close to it. They won't They won't try to understand you. They won't try to meet you halfway. Or they won't try. Like It's very rare that you find people that are willing to fight through the darkness just to find you. Just so they can hold your hand and give you a kiss on your cheek and hug you and tell you, I'm right here. Like I see you. I hear you. Even if I can't see you because of the darkness, I feel you. 
I feel your spirit. I feel your love. I feel your presence. I feel your energy. I feel your aura. Your aura is bright enough that it can light up this whole room. You just don't believe in yourself. And when you don't believe in yourself, that's when you get stuck in that room. I literally used to explain it when I was in therapy and I was younger. I would explain it as myself being in like an interrogation room almost, a big room with a glass window. Everybody was walking by me. I could see them. And it was like some people could see me, some people just couldn't see me. But I could see them just walking by, coming and going. And I was just in this room, sitting in like a chair, like whatever, beanbag, whatever, in the middle of this room. And it was just dark all around me. And there was nobody in there with me. It was just me. Everybody was just walking by in the mirror. Like some people would stop and look at me. She's like, eh, she's having a meltdown. Yeah, oh well, not my problem. Keep going. And it would hurt because it just felt like, wow, I'm in this all alone. I'm going through this all alone. And then, you know, it feels like that because people are actually like doing that to you. They're isolating you because you're you're like, you have all these issues. They don't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. And then on top of that, your brain is also these illnesses, these disorders are making you believe that you deserve to feel this way or that you are truly alone, like that you don't have anybody when, you know, you do automatically have yourself even if you don't have anybody else you automatically have yourself always so I think that is it to sum up our episode I had to leave it off on that note because I just really wanted to drill that in everyone's head um I hope that we all see the importance of taking care of our mental health and you know advocating for ourselves, advocating for mental health, and advocating for those around us who are not necessarily able to advocate for themselves or to take care of themselves when it comes to their mental health. There are so many other mental illnesses that are much, much more debilitating than my generalized anxiety disorder or my bipolar disorder or PTSD. Even those things, those other people in the world that have those disorders, that have those illnesses, it's even more debilitating for them. I'm not one to compare trauma. The way that it hurts me, it can hurt you just as much. It could hurt you, yeah, just as much. It doesn't matter. We are not here to compare trauma and to measure or see who's had it worse or who's had it shittier, who's been dealt a worse card, cards, uh, hand of cards at life. Like it, it, none of that matters. What matters is that we're all here experiencing these feelings. What matters is that we all are on this earth, surrounded by millions, quadrillions, billions of people, but yet all walking around still feeling alone, still feeling like we want to die or still feeling like we don't want to be here. That is sad. That is a testimony about ourselves, about the world around us and about who we are as a community in itself. And it's very sad and it's very shameful. And that is part of the reason why I made this podcast, because I have to be a part of the change. If nobody else is going to start it, why not me? Because why not you? Do you see what I'm saying? So, well, all of that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed our daily talk this week. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you know, if we're signing off, you know what time it is. It's time for our mindfulness moment. So, get comfortable. I got to get comfortable because I'm not really sitting the most comfortable. My legs are crossed right now. So, hold on. Give me a second. Let me get ready. All right, there we go, guys. I'm comfortable now.
All right, let's take our deep breath. All right, ready in. Another one. All right, last one. Let it out. Okay, my lovely, lovely spiritual beings, I am sending you nothing but abundance, pure, genuine love. I'm sending you good energy, positive vibes, good vibes. I'm literally sending you all the love and light that this planet has to offer and all that my higher self, my spirit, and my spirit team have to offer. I cannot wait to talk to you guys our next episode. And if you don't take anything away from this, I hope you take away the fact that it's very important to check in with yourself, to check in with your mental health, to check in with your loved ones, make sure that you're all doing okay, make sure that you're all on the same page, and make sure that everybody feels like they're supported no matter what. Even if it's not a mental illness or a mental disorder or diagnosis, we still all struggle, we still all go through things, and it's always nice to know that you have a support team, you have somebody to back you up, somebody that you can call on, and somebody that can step out in the streets if somebody asks me to be beat. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But all right, guys, I don't want to hold you any longer. I love you. I love you. I love you. And until our next daily talk, bye.